Hello and welcome to episode number seven of Show Some Respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking. I'm Tom Whitcomb and I'm talking. It's a pleasure to have you back yet again. Episode seven. Things are just, it's flying by, isn't it? Seven episodes. What an achievement. I think that I think that probably does put me in the upper echelon of podcasts. The amount of podcasts that have three episodes. And to be fair, mercifully so. Most podcasts don't deserve more than seven hours. This this one, though, oh, it's going to take, it's going to take years for me to get everything across that I need to get across. So depth, so much depth and breadth to my opinions that I need to get out to the world. I need to be, I need to be the change I want to see in the world. That's why I got into show business. That's why we all get into show business because, uh, you know, we want to enact positive change and, uh, you know, being an activist looks pretty dull. I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to a march because I, from what I understand, when you go to the march, they don't give you the megaphone for quite a while. You have to earn that. And what's the point? Thank you. Are they really going to miss me? I've never gone to a single protest in my life. And I, and I don't intend to. Actually, the only protests I would want to go to are the ones that are probably directly opposing to the causes I believe in. Like, I, I would, I'd be very interested to go to, like, I would have loved to be at the uh, insurrection. Is that how you say it? Insurrection? Gen 6? I reckon that's how you say it. Insurrection. Yep. United States capital attack. I think that would have been fascinating. I would have much preferred to have been at that than at any climate change rally because that is a moment of history. That would have been like some really Louis Theroux style observational journalism. I, I think that would have been fascinating. Climate change stuff, it's like, guys, it's over. What are you going to do that Greta Thunberg hasn't already done? It's just come to terms with it. Enjoy the rain. Good, the rain. It's good for the farmers until it isn't. Isn't that right? No, I would have loved to have gone to, you know, seeing some of those good old boys in action, seeing a couple of Pepe the Frog flags. I would have, that sounds pretty great, I think. Purely out of intrigue, like I wouldn't want to be associated with the cause. But I think whether you believe in the cause or not, your presence actually means very little. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go. I'd probably, you know, go see a movie. Go spend some time with your loved ones. This is the problem, actually, is I've always said this. Like, I don't think I can personally make a difference on anything. Um, but obviously, I don't want everyone to feel that way because then I might actually have to start doing something. Ideally, everyone, no, keep going to your protests. Keep protesting for what you believe in, you know, whether that is uh, civil rights or the complete opposite. I think you need to uh, put, your, put your money where your mouth is, act in accordance with your values. Um, and who am I to question what those values might be? Uh, welcome to the She's on the Money podcast. <laughs> She's on the Money, financial advice, so simple, even a woman can understand it. I've had that line up my sleeve for so many weeks now, and I, I've just been, I, I meant to start with the welcome to She's on the Money. That would have made more sense than to just bust into it mid-sentence, but uh, I, uh, I, I, I found myself on a ledge with nowhere to go. It's a real shame. I think that's a very funny thing to say. I think it's, I, I think... Uh, Obviously, I've had so many people, and strangers as well, like uh, one of the guys who told me he listens to the podcast, he's like, oh, I saw you live, and I really resonated with the misogynistic humor, and I was like, fuck, that's really not what I'm going for, if I'm on, like, I'm not trying to be that guy. Don't get me wrong, I find it very, very funny, but it's, I kind of had hoped, 
that people would see the absurdity in making fun of 3.5 billion people simultaneously, like calling 50% of the human race dumb is so stupid. Uh, But every night I go and do stand-up and uh, tell you what, a lot of people don't seem to realise that, and that's, to be fair, both genders. This is the question I have to ask myself. So I have, if I have, if, if I can sell out the Enmore Theatre, but 50% of those people truly believe every word that I'm saying, like has no conception of irony, would that be worth it? And the answer is yes. The answer is absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to be a voice for those people so long as that lines my pockets and I can uh, get that photo underneath the sold-out Enmore Theatre sign. Wouldn't that be, I, uh, I did a gig at, uh, there's a little wine bar next to the Enmore Theatre. It's called uh, Wild Oats. And uh, they do comedy there on Tuesday nights. It's, it's good fun. I'd recommend you get along. But I'd only found out from Wild Oats you can actually go around the corner and you can stand on the Enmore Theatre stage and look out over the over you know the crowd that isn't there in the darkness. I didn't know you could do it. It's so close. There's, you don't have to go through any kind of like doors or anything. It's just a straight walk from uh, the backstage at the Wild Oats to, to the Enmore Theatre stage. And... Uh, Oh, to, 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 to be on stage at that theatre, knowing they're all there for you, that is a true, it's a true dream for me to see my name on the board at the Enmore Theatre up in lights and sell it out and have that feeling of knowing that you 3,000 people were there just to see me and it still wasn't enough. That it that I still that it still wasn't. What if I could sell out two nights? I need to. Sell, the dream is to sell out two nights. I need back to back photos. I need a grid on Instagram. If I can get four different photos in four different outfits, all of me selling at the Emerald Theater, then I'll be happy. But until then, one night, what does that mean? Oh boy, when will the hole be filled? It's a pleasure to be here, uh, guys. Look, I gotta. I got something very excited to share with you today. I got some some breaking news. Okay, I don't I don't want this podcast to be a repository for gossip or for you know mindless celebrity entertainment news. That stuff does disgust me. But uh, today I'm going to have to make an exception because I think this is something the world needs to know about. Something that I have uh, just come to learn. And I'm recording this on, uh, on Thursday, the 31st of March. It'll come out next Tuesday, the first Tuesday of April. And I hope it's still fresh news by then because, uh, I mean, I, I, I just don't think it's getting the coverage that it deserves. But on Monday at the Academy Awards, you're not going to believe this. You know, I, I can still scarcely believe it myself. Let me paint a picture for you. Try to imagine this as best you can. I know it's hard. But just try and think think about this. Think about think about this as vividly as possible. Chris Rock's on stage, right? Chris Rock, the zebra from Madagascar. Chris Rock. Um, I think he's done some other stuff, but I think that's kind of his, uh, you know, uh, opus. What's the term? Opus Deus, or was that the cult from the Da Vinci Code? What is it called? Hmm. His piece de resistance, the thing we all know Chris Rock for, the peak of his career being the the, uh, the zebra in Madagascar and Madagascar 2, actually, I think, you know, to be fair, those were both equally masterpieces. 
Um, <clears throat> before, obviously, the uh, the franchise was um, really – they put an exclamation mark on it with uh, the Penguins' escape prison. But uh, the Zebra from Madagascar, Chris Rock, is on stage. Meanwhile, guess who's in the front row? None other than the star of Hancock, Will Smith, with his beautiful aerodynamic wife, (laughs) Jada Pinkett Smith, a.k.a. the hippopotamus from Madagascar. What a star-studded event, you think to yourself. Three celebrities at the peak of their cultural relevance together at last. Now, Chris Rock's on stage and he's, 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 uh, he's presenting uh, one of the awards that nobody cares about, uh, which, if you are keeping track, is all but two of them. Maybe three. Maybe three. Best actor, best actress, best picture. It used to be two, but we've all decided best actress is important now and uh, I think we're better off for it. That's not true. Best actress, always important, obviously. Irony. It's what I'm going for. He's, he's, he's presenting some award to somebody that none of us really care about. And he makes a joke at the expense of Jada Pinkett Smith. And uh, I'll tell you what, Will Smith bloody loved it. In real time, Will Smith got a good old chuckle about it, enjoying. You know, comedic heights had not seen since uh, Madagascar 2 from Chris Rock, I I would argue. Um, And uh, now you're thinking it's it's the Oscars. It's It's a live televised event. What recourse could Will Smith possibly have? What could he? What could he do about it? Is this the end of the story? You might be asking. Is that is that all it is, Tom? Did did Chris Rock make an offhand remark about Jada Pinkett Smith, and that's the end of it? Oh, I wish, I wish it were that easy, but I'm afraid something else happened. Strap in, guys, because you're not going to believe what happened next. All right, I'm going to leave this bit and not kind of as as much as little material as I have for today's podcast. I'm I'm going to rob myself of of just walking through this whole thing. We all know what happened, uh, Chris Rock. Makes a joke about uh, Jada Pinkett Smith looking like the girl from G.I. Jane. Uh, Will Smith rushes the stage and uh, Will Smith rushes the stage and he smacks Chris Rock around his stupid mouth. And if you were very, very quiet, you if you really watch the footage back, all right, watch Will Smith rush the stage, smack Chris Rock, and if you're if you're very quiet and you listen very carefully, turn the volume all the way up, you can hear the sound of a million YouTube comedians running to their tripods as everybody in the Western world went out to give their hot take. And uh, I think it's embarrassing. I think it's silly that all these comedians, quote-unquote comedians, uh, you know, had videos and memes and photos up on their Instagrams within one minute you know, within 90 seconds, the slap had barely stopped reverberating around wherever the fuck they were. And there was already a Batuta headline ready to go. And I thought, oh, these... These content-obsessed idiots. 
don't they realize that people are going to really peak interest in this story eight days later on Tuesday, the whatever of April? That's when people are going to want to hear about this, right? Because we know what happens when something shocking happens in the world. We all go away and we think about it for a while. We don't comment. We walk away. We go, we, we find a quiet place and we think about it. And once we've given it sufficient thought, then we're ready to share our ideas with the world. That's how it works. And that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Because there's no better time than right now to be talking about this story that is almost certainly completely pointless in the eyes of almost everybody. I'm uh, I'm not going to... I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm not going to harp on this thing for too long because everybody has given their two cents. And look, you know, this is so fucking typical, isn't it? Me ripping shit through everyone else while doing exactly what they're doing. Just as long as you're self-aware, you can do whatever the fuck you want. As long as you acknowledge that you're being a fucking douche, then just douche it up like I'm doing right now. Here's my one take, all right? Here's my one take that I haven't heard yet. Because there's been a lot of takes. I mean, the obvious thing as well is like the the obvious perspective is about uh, is physical violence ever a uh, an appropriate response to words? And then there's the other part of it, which is like the the racial element, which is so dumb. There was one comedian. I'm gonna do my best to leave this person as anonymous as possible. There was one comedian who uh, their video got dropped in our group chat, and. Uh, their take was not very funny, and uh, in doing such a take, it was very much in alignment with the rest of their comedy career in being not very funny. And uh, the group chat instantly bonded over how much none of us respect this person. What a thrill that is. There is nothing... It doesn't matter what your field is. It doesn't matter where you work, what your social circle is. The... The oxytocin hit that comes with the recognition that we all have the same enemy and we didn't even realize it. Oh, what a joy. What a thrill. It's why I got into the industry in the first place. Finding out that you and someone else don't respect, like an unspoken agreement not to respect someone. Oh, what a thrill. But their take was uh, basically about uh, how we shouldn't be policing how black people Uh, express their feelings. You know, white people should not be weighing in on how black people respond to things. Because let's not forget that we live in an age of equality. And in the age of equality, we need to realize that black people are different to the rest of us. That's what equality... It means recognizing that people of different races and cultures are beyond understanding for you and uh, best... Not to even try. All these people policing how black men show their emotions. You know, people like the media and the police. Because it was assault. Anyway, here's my one take that I, that I haven't heard from anyone else yet. Is Chris Rock makes the comparison of Jada Pinkett Smith to a character from G.I. Jane because the uh, woman in G.I. Jane has a shaved head and Jada Pinkett Smith has a shaved... Well, it appears to be a shaved head. It was alopecia, whatever. 
The world assumes it must be an insult. Even though he didn't say anything insulting. The joke was not, hey, Jade, I can't wait for G.I. Jane 2, you bald fuck. That was just... He just brought out the comparison. And the world said, no, it's not true. And a proportion of the world said, man, that was fucked up. For Chris Rock to bring up her hair like that, that is offensive. And then I go, but what was offensive about it? Well, she can't control her hair. She has a condition. And for him to bring it up is just unforgivable. Oh, but what, why, why, why can't he bring it up? Because she doesn't want to look like that, obviously. She looks disgusting. For him to throw that in her face, what a freak show she looks like, that was tasteless. Seems like we all just assumed even acknowledging this woman has a, a shaved head must be, how could it not be insulting? She doesn't look like the rest of us. Anyone with a shaved head, obviously not a choice. And this is the other thing that I saw is like, here's why it's not okay to make fun of women losing their hair. You know what is okay? Making fun of every man who has ever lost his hair, ever. If that joke is about Bruce Willis and Bruce Willis slaps the fuck out of Chris Rock, that is a very different story. Hey, Bruce Willis retired from acting today. You hear that? That's pretty sad. Can't control his words, apparently. I didn't think that was really the big part about his acting, but uh, who am I to judge? Anyway, let's move on from uh, Chris Rock and Will Smith now that I've done my due diligence of uh, commenting on a thing. It is pretty great. I think one thing that I thought was interesting was just like how quickly it became just like... I've ne- I haven't seen news just spread that fast because I, I was I was in my office for work that day and just seeing the conversation happen all over the office like dominoes falling and everyone having these individual conversations but the same conversations happening over and over again is that the best I love dramatic news it's so exciting it's kind of like when COVID first happened it's like man this is pretty fucking cool just hearing it dominate a conversation that way like I've always thought I would have loved to have been born just five years earlier, so I really could have gotten 9-11. Do you know? I'm not trying to be intentionally aggressive or, or, or con- controversial right now. I, I, I honestly believe this. If I had been 16 in 2001, that would have been, like, I kind of feel like 9-11 is a little bit like the sixth sense. You know, sure, I could watch it now, but it's not the same now that you know how it ends. And I think M. Night Shyamalan was responsible for both of them. I, what a twist that would be. Wouldn't, but it's that classic peep show line, 9-11, that was, that was good news. Well, not, not good news. I, I think I, I lo- those moments, you got to enjoy those moments. Same as Ukraine, invade, uh, Ukraine invading Russia. Same as the Ukraine invading Russia decades ago when they uh, established themselves their own state. That was not on. Russia invading the Ukraine. What a fascinating time to be alive. In saying that, if I could choose any adjective to describe a life that I'm living or a time I'm living through, maybe interesting wouldn't be the first bet. I would probably go uh, affordable if I could have chosen any adjective to describe uh, the era that I'm living through. Affordable would have been pretty good.
We've just had an hour uh, in one of my groups. I've got two group chats at the moment, and I've got to say they are vying for dominance right now because the, the, the one that I've been in for the longer amount of time, they're all comedians, obviously. I don't have group chats with uh, <coughs> regular people. Uh, I like to laugh. But uh, the two comedian groups that I have group chats with, one of them is kind of my spiritual home, the one that I've been in for a very long time, and, uh, and I care very much about those people. And look, it had a little renaissance a couple of weeks ago. It had some, some big days, some big days, some great lines, very exciting. But fuck, the new group chat, the one that is, is less than six months old, oh, had a good day. The Will Smith day and a few days before it, oh, on fire. It was, it was something to behold. There was one of the guys in my group chat made a joke about the Down Syndrome Victoria's Secret model. Remember that story? It kind of came and went, but the Victoria's Secret hired a, a woman who has Down Syndrome to be a model, uh, which I will plead the fifth on that one. But, oh my goodness, one of my friends made this joke about it, and it made me laugh for the rest of the day. Every, I couldn't... I was sitting at my desk surrounded by work people and I'm like, I can't, I'm laughing so hard. I have to pray nobody asks me what at because no answer that I give could possibly be both satisfying and allow me to keep my job because either I would have to have to make something up which would not be nearly as funny as this thing was or I would have to tell them the joke and just start immediately packing my things. I'd, I, would, I would read them the joke while logging off my laptop and uploading all my work to the server because that's, that's curtains. I'm, uh, I'm going to have to find a new career path. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it was. I'm not going to tell you who said it. But if you are as intrigued as you deserve to be, get in touch because I am telling everybody this. It is so... It was, it's one of those jokes. He told this joke that just was so funny but at the same time, just belongs nowhere. There is, it's not fit for public consumption in the least. It's like, it's like someone made a, a meal so delicious, but you couldn't serve it in any restaurant because one in every two people are deadly allergic to it. That is, that is what this joke was to me. But uh, look, if you get in touch and I think you're worthy, I will tell you, it rocked me. But in uh, my other group chat, we just had sent around a. Uh, there's an American comic who's obviously making his way over here. Um, his name escapes me. It, it, he's got 4 million TikTok followers, 200,000 Instagram followers. And he makes all of these videos on his TikTok. And uh, they all are comedic in theory. You can tell the intention is for them to be funny. And, uh, you know, the thought's what counts. But uh, i got to say, look, it was, you know, they're fine, and he's obviously very charismatic, and he, he carries a video, but if you really have a good old scroll through his content, I'm pretty sure he's famous for being hot. Like, I, I saw, for every joke, there were four times as many cum gutters. Do you know? It was... It, you know when Instagram content is so close to porn, it is like it is inches away from porn, from content graphic warnings. 
that that is what was going on on this guy's page. It, and and look, God would admit, hot dude, real hot dude with uh, but with like super ripped, like just just cockroot in so many of these photos. Just the the faintest the 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 hint, the hint of a shaft. In most of the photos, um, li- little little nose piercing in one side, and he has a lot of content about things girls do that drive guys crazy. A lot for a straight man, but an overwhelming amount for a man who is so clearly gay. I just I would be so he's a he's from the south of America. A lot of his comedic performances seem to involve an American flag for some reason. He wears a cowboy hat, unironically. This man is living a lie. This man is doing everything to convince those around him he's going to heaven, even though he knows, not according to the book they gave him. By the letter of the law, if Jehovah is a man of his word, there is not a chance this guy's getting to those pearly gates. Pearly Gates is what he calls uh, his face after a big session. That's as close as he's getting to the promised land. And the promised land is what he calls his asshole to the people he meets on Grinder. And there's nothing wrong with it. I feel very sorry for him. There's a guy, there's a guy I went to school with. There's a guy that I went to school with, and anyone who went to my school who was listening to this will know exactly who I'm talking about, who was incredibly Christian, married engaged at school, married before university, um, big Christian family, part of the church, as gay as the day is long, 100%. And I know that because I asked a friend who is now a very out and proud gay man, and he told me, well, actually, no, he told a friend years ago, he's like, oh, yeah, that guy, he's, he's gay for sure. And a couple of us went, oh, is he or is he just camp? You know, is he is he just a little bit effeminate? And he said, no, no, he, he's gay. He's definitely gay. I'm like, well, how do you know? It's like, well, I blew him in year 11. Ah, okay. Here's a man who's done his research. I, I'm sorry. We were purely speculating. You're, you have boots on the ground and occasionally in the air. <laughs> I have nothing but empathy. Honestly, nothing but empathy for those people. Uh, I, you know, for the most part, I'm not really that anti-religion. Like, I, I kind of think uh, if, if that's what you need to get through this hellish existence we call life, then good on you. You know, I wish I had a book that I deemed worthy of reading, but it's been a long time. Don't let the books in the background fool you. I, I just like, uh, you know, robbing street libraries. That's, that's my big passion. Uh, I have taken so many books from street libraries and I've never given a single one back. And I don't intend to start now. These are my books. The, I, I, I don't care. I don't care whether they get read or not. I just want people to get the impression I might read. These are all jokes. I read a lot. I'm very well read and very in- intellectual, actually. And I think you would know that if, uh, if you listen to enough of this podcast. You'd be like, this guy. This guy's pretty clever. I've so I feel I feel sorry for this guy, but you know, not sorry enough that I, I want him performing in Australia. I, I don't want to be competing with this guy for stage time. That's not true, actually. I uh, fuck I'm a I'm a wash of contradictions, aren't I? I want this guy to come. 
I want this guy to come to Australia via Oklahoma. I want him to, one, get onto Oxford Street and have the fucking time of his life. I, I want him... I, I, I want him up and down Oxford Street all night, every night that he's here. Uh, and 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 just just to just to enjoy himself, I want him to enjoy one of the most thriving, um, exciting gay cultures in the world, and uh, and you know hopefully let's keep let's let's keep that Bible away from him during the daylight hours. I think let's let's keep that just to one side. Let's let's not give him any of that to read. Let's get him like a let's let's, let's get him the the biography of a. Famous gay person. This is, I should know someone. Who would I? I went to. Let's let's just let's just get him the Jonathan Van Hest biography, which I'm sure. Do you reckon that exists? Jonathan Van Ness. Wrong name. Biography. You bet your sweet ass it exists. Over the top by Jonathan Van Ness. Eighteen twenty five on Amazon. 1825, the price point, also over the top. There is no way this guy has a book worth of knowledge to be handing you. Just watch the fucking show. This is... Uh, does everyone need a book? When in human history have so few people read and yet so many people wrote, it doesn't make any... Name the dumbest celebrity you know. They have a book. They have a perspective on life that you need to know. And who am I to speak... I read Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights and it made me think about my life. Somehow Matthew McConaughey and John Mayer are my two great mentors in life. In a world where the Bible is free, I went to all right, all right, all right, Matthew McConaughey. Oh. This podcast really brings out a, a, a lot of things I don't like about myself and things I didn't even know I didn't like, but uh, hey... We're all learning about ourselves together. I gotta be honest with you guys. This is uh, this is a podcast. I think so far <clears throat> of the seven I've done, of the uh, the weeks worth of podcast recordings uh, that I've definitely brought the least preparation to. But I have also thoroughly enjoyed. I hope you've been, let me know. Give me some feedback. I've gotten a lot of feedback on this. It's been great. I'm having a lot of fun doing this podcast. This one especially. But I've really really enjoyed. But hey. Maybe you want some coherence in your podcast. Maybe you're clicking on my podcast and thinking, hey, I can't help but notice the Wall Street Journal also has a podcast uh, that people have been paid to do and treated like a job. I could listen to that or I could have a one-way conversation with a guy I kind of know. And by conversation, I mean lecture. And by lecture, I mean rant. And by rant, I mean just Talking. I think rant is too strong a word for what this is. If, however, you'd like to see me rant, you should come along to my Sydney Comedy Festival show. Ignorant. We're taking place on the 5th and 6th of May at the Factory Theatre in Sydney. I have so many tickets to sell. People from my work are coming. I need to prove to them why I am so disinterested in my work is not a total pipe dream. I need to prove to them why every day I walk through those office doors, I think I'm better than them because I am meant for stardom. I said before I want to sell at the Enmore Theatre. Do you know how delusional 
That is going to come across if I'm at the factory theatre performing to 22 people in a room that seats 150. That's very sad. That is going to be tragic. So far, the people that I know have bought tickets to my show are my co-workers, my girlfriend's dad, and three... Well, he's bought three extra tickets. I don't know who they're for. I'm pretty sure last time he bought four tickets and brought one person, which, don't get me wrong, I'm happy for the inflated numbers. But in saying that, would have loved the seats filled. And uh, then I believe my parents and my parents' family, friends. If you are someone listening to this podcast who does not know who I am, at a personal level, if we never went to school together, if we never were employed together, please come. You are the only thing keeping a grip on my mind that this might be a career. I can't keep taking money from my friends. This won't last forever, even though my friends will probably be incredibly successful. At some point, they will stop coming. Some of them already have. Some of them, they're like, I get it. I I get this is the thing you're doing. I also get that pretty soon you're not going to have time to hang out anymore, so why don't we just sever this right now? I'll come along once every five years just in case you do make it. And ideally, I'd love free tickets in that occasion. In that case, I should say. So please buy tickets to my show. I would uh, love to see any and all of you there. In fact, if everyone listens to this podcast, it, look, I have to sell 300 tickets. So think of it this way. If everybody who listens to this podcast bought 15 tickets, that's almost a sellout. Okay, that's, if, everyone, if everyone listening to this just bought 15 tickets, including to myself listening back, we got we got a sellout, baby. We got a, we got two huge shows to look forward to. That's all it would take. What a thrill! The other thing that I have, and look, you know, we're thirty four minutes in now, and uh, in, in a podcast that I have since admitted was uh, rambling and misguided. Uh, I got some merch coming. I got some t shirts with my face on them, and the unfortunate thing about t shirts with my face on them is I can't wear them. I have, I have a, a bunch of T-shirts still remaining from my last podcast, Tremendous. EJ, everybody, if you're listening to this, and I should probably text you as well, if you want some more Tremendous shirts, let me know. I can wear those anywhere because it just looks like a weird brand. I actually think Tremendous would be a great brand name just for a random T-shirt. If I'm walking around with a T-shirt with my face on it, oh, people are going to have some questions. They're not going to ask, hey, where'd you get that? They're going to ask, where'd you get that? Why are you doing this? We already see your face. You are already merchandise for yourself. This is doing very little for your brand. I'm going to have some t-shirts. It's going to have my name on them. It's going to be the uh, Show Some Respect Tom Whitcomb is Talking logo. And if you're sick of only seeing that on your phone every week, what about seeing it on your chest? What about seeing it backwards in the mirror? What about showing your friends and family that you know a guy who has a podcast? Wouldn't that be something? Because as we know, nobody has podcasts. It's me and Joe Rogan and Michelle Obama. That's it. So for you to be on that hallowed turf to say, hey, I know a guy who can afford $1,500 worth of audio equipment and 45 minutes a week. Well, this is your best chance to let them know. 
So point being, if you're interested in merch, I haven't got it printed yet. I need to work out how many I'm going to get. If you're interested, shoot me a DM. Just say, hey, I could potentially be interested in buying a T-shirt from you. And I'll say, hey, did you buy tickets to my show yet? And you'll be like, uh, mm. I mean, the, I'm kind of just in it for the T-shirt. But uh, look, if you could do both. What I'm trying to say is give me money. What I'm trying to say is give me some, give me some money and I will give something back. What exactly is it? Who knows? Is it an hour of an entertaining show? In theory. Is it a high-quality T-shirt with my face on it? That's the plan. Are the T-shirts ethically sourced using appropriately paid-for labor? Who's to say? And with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this puppy up with the famous show some respect Tom Whitcomb's talking joke of the week. If you enjoyed last week's joke, oh, what a, isn't it a classic? Is it, you know that joke... You know what, I'm going to do this next time. Next time on Show Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb's talking, I'm going to write this down. The time I got kicked out of an online writing group. I joined an online writing workshop that I got forcibly removed from because of an excellent joke about slavery. And you thought we lived in an age of freedom. And here we are. Here we go, the joke of the week. A man walks into an Irish pub in Dublin and he's sitting there, he's enjoying a pint by himself at the bar with the bartender and all of a sudden one of the drunks in the pub stands up and yells out, 17! And the whole pub just just erupts into laughter. Man, I think that's weird and he just kind of ignores it, goes back to his drink. Ten minutes later, another man stands up, yells out, 43! Pub erupts, huge laughs. This is, this is so strange. The man says to the bartender, hey, what, what's that about? What's the numbers? The bartender says, oh, well, at this pub, a lot of the locals will come and they'll tell each other jokes. But unfortunately, uh, so many of the jokes they've all heard before, they just kind of didn't make sense telling them. So they just gave them numbers. So every joke has a number. They yell out the number. Everyone knows what joke they're talking about and everyone laughs. And the man says, oh, that's, that's interesting. Like, Do you mind if I try? He's like, yeah, yeah go for it. So the man stands up, looks around, he yells out, 79! Pub goes crazy. Everyone's cracking up laughing. People tears stream down their cheeks. People are rolling on the floor. They're laughing so hard. The bartender even, he's in hysterics. He goes, oh, that's that's a good one. We've never heard that one before. What a classic joke of the week. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave you. With the classic... Show some respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking, theme song. Big shout out to James Dunlop for constructing and producing this song. And I'm going to leave you guys for another fantastic week. Go and tell people what you think about the Will Smith-Chris Rock controversy now. Hopefully I've uh, informed you, I've given you a hot take. You can go to the office and say, hey, you know that Will Smith-Chris Rock thing that happened? And they'll go, what? And you're like, remember last... Remember last week? Remember eight days ago when that thing happened? They're like, oh yeah. I'd totally forgotten that happened. And with that, have a fantastic week, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be honest, mostly gentlemen. Have a fantastic week. And I will see you next week for episode eight of Show Some Respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking. Goodbye. <laughs>